You're with Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice issues, broadcast nationally across these stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. Today's show was made on the lands of the Yuan Nation. I'm Beck Horridge. Long live tree hollows. There should be more of them. And we should leave our trees standing so that they could get old enough to develop those tree hollows. And then our native wildlife populations that are, are boreally based up in the trees can survive and thrive. That was Nick Hopkins, spokesperson for Coast Watchers. Today we visit the south coast of New South Wales, where native forest logging is pushing iconic species like the koala, swift parrot and greater glider towards extinction. Most people know that 2019 black summer bushfires burnt over 5 million hectares of forest and have left them more vulnerable to the impacts of logging. Now, government report from the Natural Resources Commission has been leaked. It's a Cabinet in Confidence paper that recommends that in bushfire-affected areas, logging should cease entirely or face tighter restrictions as current logging practices may cause irreversible damages to ecosystems and wildlife. Logging of public native forests is taxpayer-subsidised. And I also read on the Coast Watchers website that New South Wales Forestry Corporation's hardwood division has been operating at a significant loss for the past decade. In 2020-21, it ran at a loss of $20 million with predictions that it will face losses of $15 million until 2024. Reports also show that New South Wales forests can generate far more income through their protection than from logging and from recreation, tourism and carbon abatement. The Western Australian and Victorian governments have already committed to ending this industry and have developed transition plans to support affected workers and businesses. Nick Hopkins Spokesperson for Coast Watchers tells us about Forestry Corp's illegal logging on the New South Wales South Coast. The Coast Watchers Association is the leading community environmental and conservation group serving the south coast of New South Wales, principally in the Shire of Yurubadala between Naruma and Batemans Bay. My name is Nick Hopkins. I live on the south coast of New South Wales on Ewan Country living between Batemans Bay and Maruya. Now, Nick, you had a bit of a grim rise to fame as being one of the people whose houses burnt down in the 2019 fires. And you've been a forest campaigner for a long time now. What's going on in the forests in your region? It's been in the newspapers. Well, it certainly has. And uh, basically, myself and some other people have been monitoring the operations of the New South Wales Forestry Corporation as they move from compartment to compartment uh, logging in this part of the south coast, basically Yurubadala and Shoalhaven Shires. So we just try and keep them honest, make sure they're sticking to their harvest plan, not going into any exclusion zones that they shouldn't be logging in. And every now and then uh, we catch them out and we report our findings to the EPA And so there's been a steady stream of breaches that have gone on over the years. But it wasn't until the major bushfires of 2019 and 2020 
that it became out of control. So the level of breaching is just skyrocketed. And it's partly because the Environment Protection Authority of New South Wales, after the fires, uh, imposed a particular prescription onto the logging operations such that all the hollow bearing trees that remained had to not be felled. So that was in recognition of the needs of the threatened species of these forests that were decimated by fire and their desperate need for every single hollow that, that could be left standing should be left there. So it's fairly easy prescription, very clear cut. Don't cut down any hollow bearing trees. So what happens? Uh, pretty soon after the fires finished, uh, Forestry Corporation went into Mogo State Forest and just to the north of here, uh, South Bruman State Forest, west of Borley Point, and commenced logging. And uh, pretty soon after that, different groups of citizen scientists went in to audit how those operations were proceeding, and they just found hollow-bearing trees scattered all over the ground like dismembered corpses. Yeah, I've joined in. One of the things that I really loved about the project was it was something that really anyone could join in on. There it was on Facebook, come and do some citizen science in the Mogo State Forest. The Mogo State Forest is so close to this really popular tourist area. It really is a walk from Mogo virtually to some of these forests. It's a great shame that the Mogo Forest mountain bike trail has been logged. The Mogo Adventure Trails Hub is approximately 150 kilometres of bike trails, uh, some of which already exist and uh, have been uh, in use for 10, 15 years already. Um, But this is uh, a project that is attracting $8 million worth of funding into the area. And it's all going to be within Mogo State Forest. But the crazy thing is that it didn't stop Forestry Corporation going in and logging the very compartments where the uh, mountain bike trails are going to be constructed and where some of them already exist. So um, we think it's a a total wasted opportunity because nature-based tourism is the way of the future. There's so many people caught up in the big urban centres that need to get out and exercise and enjoy nature, especially seeing all the lockdowns we've had. So I think Nature-based tourism is the way way of the future. Um, The other important value that trees can have if they're left standing is, of course, carbon sequestration. Uh, And that will become increasingly important as we get further and further down the track towards catastrophic climate change because trees are the ultimate vacuum cleaners that are sucking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. That's right. And there are well, there were big trees there. These are ridge lines just east of Mogo, between Mogo and the sea. And they're sort of steep-sided hills, aren't they, with rainforest in the gullies? There is cool temperate rainforest in the gullies, which is largely protected in the harvest plans. But Mogo State Forest, it straddles the Princess Highway, so it goes both east and west of Mogo. And all the breaching that occurred um, in 2020 was in compartments that are west of the highway just off Buckenbarra Road. Isn't this the place where some citizens found that logging was happening at three in the morning? Well, yes, uh, some, some conservationists were actually spotlighting because the best time to find the arboreal mammals, of course, is 
uh, in the very early hours of the morning because then you can follow them to their dens, which they'll sort of return to by dawn. So that's where you know where the den sites are and they're particularly important trees. So, yeah, some of us were there in, um, in Mogo State Forest and there was machinery operating, you know, at like one and two o'clock in the morning. It's just crazy. Is this the timbers running out story? There's a shortage of timber. What's going on? Why are they logging a forest like this, which could be part of the tourism scheme? Look, I, I can't confirm um, that logging was actually happening at that time. It may have been roadworks. They may have been roading in there uh, in preparation for logging. Um, but, yeah, it's a dying industry. They're trying to squeeze the last out of these poor fire-decimated ecosystems. and. Everything that I've heard from forest ecologists, including David Lindenmeyer, is the worst thing you can do in a forest that suffered such an intense fire, wildfire, uh, is to go in pretty well straight afterwards and log it. It's like setting it back another, you know, 50, 60, 70 years for its recovery. So best to leave it alone. Um, let those threatened species populations expand again slowly. It'll happen slowly. So that's what the conservation movement is calling for, particularly now in New South Wales, seeing that Western Australia and Victoria have both um, set a deadline for the end of the native forest logging sectors of their forestry industry, and New South Wales could do the same tomorrow, and there would be very little political pain in that because all the current workers could be redeployed into various aspects of of management of of the forests um, according to different values. So not not timber extraction, but nature-based tourism, uh, signage, cool burns, you know, for fuel reduction, all all manner of different jobs where no single forestry worker today needs to lose a job. So that's a false argument that's often put up, whether it's, you know, economics versus the environment. No, no, we don't have to go down that path. We don't accept that. Um, it's a false duopoly. That was Nick Hopkins, spokesperson for Coast Watchers on the New South Wales South Coast. There is an e-petition for New South Wales residents asking the New South Wales government to, one, develop a plan to transition the native forestry industry to 100% sustainable plantations by 2024. Two, in the interim, place a moratorium on public native forest logging until the regulatory framework reflects the recommendations of the Leaked Resources Commission report. Three, immediately protect high conservation value forests through the gazettal in the National Parks Estate. Four, ban the use of native forest materials as biomass fuels. The link to the e-petition is on the 3CR Earth Matters homepage for this show. Other comments on Facebook that came up about this, Justin Field, who's a member of of the Legislative Council in the New South Wales Parliament said it's a disgrace. Taxpayers are paying to see our barely recovering native forests destroyed, mostly for wood chip, for export and firewood. The New South Wales Government has now been sitting on expert advice from its own expert advisor on natural resource management for nine months, which concludes that ongoing logging in the state's burnt forest presents a serious and irreversible risk to our forest. 
Yet still Forestry Corporation and the New South Wales Coalition Government keep logging as if business as usual is possible. It's not. That's a comment from Justin Field. So it looks like it may be game over soon. For the 20 southeast New South Wales loggers and haulage operators logging our fire-damaged public native forests, we need these workers to transition to the plantations industry for all of their work. And then wildlife and our local communities can continue to recover and forests act as a carbon sink and local small business focus on ecotourism, including mountain biking and camping. You're with Earth Matters, bringing new environment and social justice issues, broadcast nationally across these stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. And now some music, Ecopella, from an organism called Earth, from their album, An Organism Called Earth. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of living creatures. Millions and millions of different kinds of That was an organism called Earth from Ecopella. Let's hear again from Nick Hopkins, spokesperson for Coast Watchers. Nick, Forest Corp here has been fined. The last fine was $45,000 for logging 70 trees that had habitat hollows in them, discovered by citizen scientists having a look at what was there before the forest was logged and what was there after the forest was logged and finding that management plans hadn't been followed. And now Forestry Corp's been fined, Nick. Well, surprise, surprise. Uh, The tragic thing was that we knew that breaching was going on day by day and we wanted the EPA to step in with a stop work order a lot sooner as soon as they became aware that hollow bearing trees were being felled. 
but it's like turning uh, a mega ship around. It's such a long process. Um, for instance, to give you an idea, we started reporting breaching in uh, July in 2020, and it wasn't until uh, a year and a half later in December that the fines pertaining to those particular breaches were uh, sent out. They're called penalty notices. Uh, and they were, I found out they were issued on the basis of only approximately 20 to 25 tree hollows on the ground, and we reported 70. So we're seeking clarification of that. What about all the extra ones? Um, how do we account for them? Don't you want to triple the fine? Uh, and there's another interesting legal aspect is that Forestry Corporation of New South Wales, from very early on, knew that this particular prescription was an impossible one to adhere to. So they knew that the contractors would be felling hollow-bearing trees, uh, not deliberately, but that was just part of that would be part of the logging operation. And so forestry, with that knowledge, should have said, "Okay, we're going to stop the commission of any further offences by you know pulling these contractors out of those." Uh, particular forest, but no, they let them go ahead, so the breaching continued. So to knowingly allow the commission of an offence is a serious offence in itself. Um, so we, need, we do need to find someone with a bit of legal expertise to, to follow that particular line up. Because it did sort of seem like the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, which covers New South Wales forestry, it did seem like they were sort of sitting on the information for a long time. Yeah, so the EPA maintain that they will go and inspect every logging operation anyway, but that's what they would love to be able to do if they were fully resourced. But of course, they're actually relying on citizen scientists like the people in Coast Watchers to be their ears and eyes on the ground so that they know where to target their resources. And so we're able to work in conjunction with them and say, you know, guys, did you know that uh, there's 20 trees that have been felled in an exclusion zone at Currawan Forest, Compartment 502. Here's the evidence. Here's the GPS locations of those 20 offences. Can you go and check them out before that contractor does any more damage? And so this is a, that's actually a pending investigation um, that will probably result in further fines down the track. So you're smiling slightly when you say further fines down the track and now you're rubbing your hands together and grinning, Nick. Just to talk about feelings for a bit, there's all sorts of figures in this. It's about industry and jobs and numbers, this and that. I mean, how do you feel about it? You've been a campaigner for so long. Yeah, well, um, I get a perverse pleasure in um, holding forestry to account, especially when fines are involved. Uh, I mean, of course, I'd rather there was no breaching at all, but um, in lieu of a complete moratorium on all native forest logging, at least we can uh, let Forestry Corporation know that all their um, operations are being overseen by citizens uh, so that they can get away with a lot less than they would have in the past. So that that's having a very um, sort of effective handbrake um, effect on their operations and keeping them keeping the bastards honest in a way. Not that I want to cast aspersions on anybody in particular because this industry will ultimately be wound up by a political decision. And so the real culprits in this whole scenario are the politicians which just are too afraid to come out and say, right, enough's enough. It's time to end native forest logging in New South Wales. So we're trying to push both Liberal and Labor towards that position. Um, you know, that's a work in progress, obviously. 
But getting back to feelings, so yeah, uh, I must admit, um, I having lost my home in the fires, uh, I was in a shock, uh, shock, uh, shock position, and it gave me some sort of um, motivation to continue with my life to go out into these burnt forests and try and protect the homes of other species other than my own, the human species, but particularly the threatened ones like the greater gliders, the powerful owls, all the other, there's 140 different native Australian animals that use tree hollows. So I was kind of advocating on their behalf, but my anger and my motivation came from having lost my own home in what I believe was a climate change fire, totally inflamed by climate change. Nick, thanks for talking to Earth Matters. Thank you for your work and long live the hollows, eh? Long live tree hollows. There should be more of them. And we should leave our trees standing so that they could get old enough to develop those tree hollows. And then our native wildlife populations that are arboreally based up in the trees can survive and thrive. That was Nick Hopkins, spokesperson for Coast Watchers. Meanwhile, from the other side of this continent, the Western Australian Forest Alliance tells us that Rio Tinto has applied for 10 exploration permits in the northern Jarrah forests, stretching from Jarrah Dale and Dwelling Up area. And here's what the Nature Reserve's Preservation Group said about Rio's threat to these forests. The northern Jarrah forests are incredibly precious, biodiverse and globally unique and they've been subject to extensive clearing and logging over the past 200 years. The remaining mature old-growth and two-tiered Jarrah forests and linkages between these ecosystems, waterways, First Nations cultural heritage, habitat for wildlife and recovering regrowth and rehabilitation areas are critically important for climate, biodiversity, water, culture and communities. The cumulative impacts of forest logging and mining, dieback and other human activities have damaged our forests permanently, including climate change that has changed the growing conditions, and any further activities are a serious threat to their viability. It calls into question the effects on rare endangered and threatened flora and fauna on water on environmentally sensitive areas and rejects that Rio Tinto should be given licence to lock these areas. Habitat destruction is an Australia-wide problem. The Australian Conservation Foundation have just published a report that reveals the shocking extent of threatened species habitat destruction in Australia. But not just from state governments. The federal government has approved the destruction of more than 200,000 hectares of threatened species habitat, a total area larger than Fraser Island in Queensland. The new investigation by the Australian Conservation Foundation reveals that koalas lost more habitat to federally approved destruction than any other animal, with more than 25,000 hectares of koala habitat approved for destruction in 2011 to 2021, and about a fifth of this area was for one single project, the Olive Downs coal mine in Queensland. Greater gliders, swift parrots, 
and forest red-tailed black cockatoos, as well as spotted-tailed quolls, all lost of habitat, approved for demolition by the federal government. And the rate of destruction is rapidly increasing. In five years to 2016, the government approved the destruction of 80,000 hectares of threatened species habitat, but the amount went up to 120,000 hectares in the following five years, and mining accounted for 72% of the total habitat destruction approved under the National Environment Law. But this is the tip of the iceberg, as clearing for agriculture is rarely assessed under this law, and native forest logging is exempt altogether. More habitat destruction was approved in Queensland than in all the other states and territories combined. The investigation exposes the cumulative impact of the government's individual decisions to approve the destruction of habitat Australia's threatened species need to survive, said the ACF's national campaigner, Jess Abrams. The ACF is also calling on the Australian federal government to release the Australian State of the Environment report so that Australians can get a full understanding of just how dire the situation is for the places and wildlife that we love. It's overdue, this report. It should have been released in 2021. In their recent investigation, the Australian Conservation Foundation have compiled 10 years' worth of publicly available, but difficult to find, information on all of the EPBC decisions that approve the destruction of threatened species habitat and they compared these findings with a data set of threats to Australian fauna and fauna. And they're releasing this full data set as a public resource, because there are many more stories to be told. You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. Again from Ecopella's album, An Organism Called Earth, here's the song, The Universe's Daughter. In the sign.